Hi, welcome to Movie Butts. Uh, I'm Arnie Joe, And I'm Dane. Cool. So basically, this is our second episode. We're going to try and do this one on the fly just to make it a little bit more, you know, flowy-woey than last time. Uh, this is a show where we basically do a bunch of math and determine the best and the worst of a certain filmmaker, genre, studio, something like that. And uh, then we watch the best and the worst. Uh, thank you for listening, and hopefully we aren't too inappropriate. Um, what movies did we watch this uh, week, Dane? Well, we decided to hit up some early Spielberg so we've determined that top of the pick is E.T. And the very bottom is 1941. Yeah, it's interesting. I did the, I did the math for this. You know, I, I calculate the IMDb, the Metacritic, the Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the box office and the uh, budget. And yeah, the, that's basically the general math we do for this sort of thing here. And um, it was a close one between E.T. and, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm kind of happy E.T. won because I've seen Raiders a lot. Like, yeah, I don't know how much I have to say about Raiders apart from I really like it. I would have enjoyed to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark again, but it is more interesting because I hadn't seen E.T. since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. So which one should we talk about? Because theoretically in chronological order, uh, 1941 came first. However... <laughs> You know, do we want to talk about the good one first and then go to... Well, this is a good chance to establish maybe, like, an order. Yeah, because we don't have any order. We, we nah. just did it last time. And... I think it makes sense to me to, to talk about the good one first. Yeah, fair call. Yeah, okay. So, we're going to talk about E.T. first then. Yeah. Um, Dane, uh, thoughts, comments, opinions on um, E.T.? Actually, sorry, we've been saying the name wrong. It's E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yeah, we'll establish that and then not say it anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> Apparently, it's because uh, people were too stupid to know what E.T. was. So, they had to name it E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Right. Yeah. Americans, am I right? Did they... When it first came out, was it called E.T. the Extraterrestrial? Or... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but they had to change it in production because E.T. I don't know what it, what else E.T. means... But, you know... I think that's probably a case of movie execs being like... Because they detest audiences. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, no one's going to know what it means. So we should put a sub heading in there. Because, yeah. I mean, like, people didn't know what it meant. It's like, the movie hadn't even been fucking released. How yeah. do you know? And also, who cares? Yeah, and it's not like people had Google. Like, they'd have to go to the library and, like, look through a dictionary to find out what E.T. means, I guess, maybe. To be fair... They say it in the film. That's true. Yeah. Elliot like emphasizes it. He's like extraterrestrial E.T. That stands for extraterrestrial. Yeah. Um, so what do you want to start with this? Uh, overall, what, what, what were your, what were your opinions on this film? Well, <clears throat> I'd only seen it once when I was a kid, maybe twice. And, um, all I remember was that I didn't like it. I thought it was How old were you when you watched it. Less than 10. You didn't like E.T. when you were less than 10? No. I liked Jaws. I liked Raiders of the Lost Ark. Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, all those movies. And uh, I just thought E.T. was really boring and schmaltzy, you know. Spielbergy. Yeah. But um, watching it again, 
I fucking loved it. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it just it hits every bait, and and all this like, at the beginning, there's all these questions that come up, where it's like, well, how does how does ET know these things, and how is this happening, and and. I catch myself asking these questions and I was just thinking like, well, you know, it's, it's meant to be a simple, whatever movie. It's a fucking kid's film. Yeah. So, you know, don't ask too many questions, but they answer every question and they answer it really well. And it's, it makes sense. And you're like, oh, okay. So that's how he learns to speak. That's mm. how he gets these ideas. That's how Elliot understands what's happening. And so I was like really satisfied with it i'm, I'm curious because with both the movies that we watched there are actually multiple versions of both of them did you know that yeah did you was there a scene with et in the bubble bath in the one you watched no okay cool cool no That's... so i'm guessing you watched the um the re-release no 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 i watched the original one okay i i the i have a blu-ray box set of a couple of his movies mm. and he on purpose only put in the um the original release because um yeah he hates the 2002 remastered version right he 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 goes out of his way to tell people to watch the original okay so in the re-release which i'm guessing is the one i watched mm. why did they take out the scene of him in the bath no Was no, no, it no, no, no no that scene is added in the re-release okay so i watched the original yes i thought maybe i did because i I'd heard that they replaced the guns with walkie-talkies. Yeah, and you saw guns, right? There's like yeah. a close-up of the shotty. Do, do you remember that? Before they start flying. Mm. Yeah, there's just this close-up of a shotgun. It's like, holy shit, they're just about to blow these children away. Yeah, so I was waiting for that because I didn't know if I was watching that one. And uh, they had guns, so I was like, okay, so this is not that. Mm. Um, maybe if I watched the re-release, I'd think it sucks, but... This one I thought was really good. And there was no scene of E.T. in the bath, which <laughs> would have been pointless. I am... Um, I, the, the, my main takeaway from this is it is a great example of visual filmmaking. Like, you could... I could, I could turn off the sound for that movie mm. and you could know exactly what's happening. At every moment, every scene, you know what's happening in that film. Yeah. And I, you can't say that for a lot of movies these days. It's a fucking visual medium. You should be able to... A, a deaf person should be able to watch it without subtitles and at least have some form of context. Yeah. And I, with that movie, you, you do. Like, I I don't think of anything that you'd lose, you know? No, I'd agree. And every single frame is really nice. Yeah, beautiful. And even, like, you can tell how good it is because the one shot... Uh, when he wakes up in the, the woods, um, it looks a little bit TV mm. and it's not bad. What do you but mean when just, he wakes up in the woods? Uh, so, you know, when they go out into the woods and try to set up his little phone line thing. Right. Um, and then they stay out there all night. He wakes up in the morning. Mm. So when he wakes up, there's this wide shot of him waking up in the morning mm. and it looks a little bit drab. It doesn't look bad. It's just the rest of the film looks so nice that it stood out to me 
as kind of average looking. Mm. Um, but I didn't think it was bad. It just that rem- when that happened, it just reminded me of how good the rest of it looks. Mm. And it's in everything. It's in the lighting. It's in the, the framing. It's in the composition. And Spielberg has these little like flares that you just notice like there's always like a little bit of movement in the frame whether there's like the the corn shit in the background just like wisping a little bit it just creates such an atmosphere um there's so much attention to detail in Mm. every little part of it Mm. i was really impressed Mm. since i I don't know if i was just spoiled because i have the blu-ray but it's just the just the playing with light that he does everything is just like there's a reason he's like the one that survived the 70s yeah you know he can he can play the commercial card but he also can make a fucking movie look gorgeous yeah and and it's not just visually impressive for the sake of it all these things are adding to the tone mm. of, of the scene and he knows that mm. and that's why he does that so it's um yeah i've always been a bit eh, spielberg is in commercial but you just can't ignore like if you want to be a filmmaker you got to watch spielberg's films and recognize what he does well definitely he, his endings are a bit disney but um but they're great mm. like it's just so fucking good it's yeah it's I love the 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 motif of the bad guy. He's just a set of keys mm. for most of it, and it's just it's a, it's an audio thing. It's a visual thing. You don't see this guy's face. He's not even the bad guy. In the end, he kind of was like relatively fine. Would you wouldn't you say? Yeah, he's a little redeemed. Yeah, because he lets him go at the end. You know, I felt like the antagonist of the film was um, sounds a little wanky, but is like. America, because <laughs> it's like hear me out. So, please, um, please explain. So, the way I saw it was like why, why? Because ET is basically like, uh, just represents love mm. essentially. Like he's such a feely dude. You know, he's basically a hippie, and um, and and. Th- like the kids getting bullied at the start, the dad's taken off to Mexico, yeah. Yeah, and the, all the kids are fighting and um and the mum is just always stressed. And in every scene that shit is emphasized mm-hmm. with um like every time the mum's on camera, she's always complaining about something like when she um comes home after ET's been scrounging around the house. She comes home and she doesn't notice the alien walking around. She doesn't pay attention to her daughter. She's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's complaining about how, like, the inflation of groceries, um, you know, money, things like that. And that's, like, emphasized constantly that life is very cruel in... Uh, it, it's harsh in a very cruel way in that they, it's almost like they're not allowed to complain, but they have 
nothing to be thankful for and then this little hippie alien comes along and is just like all about love and peace and you know that shit's the way Mm. never directly addressed and then the government the, the these who i saw as like representatives of this cruel world that they live in they they come along as the physical embodiment of that and they essentially represent <clears throat> this unfeeling maybe not necessarily hatred but like an unfeeling dismissal of of love mm. and they take et away and everything about them is very cold sterile and clinical and you see like the change of environment i think that that stuff everything becomes very still and gross and unloving and they're walking around in just like these suits these hazmat suits and walking through these gross ass tubes and shit Mm. and the whole vibe takes on this very cold unfeeling tone Mm. and um yeah, I mean, that's what I got from it. And that's why I think, like, there wasn't really some guy that you followed throughout the whole film being like, I'm going to get that fucking alien. I'm gonna- <laughs> Which they could easily have fallen into. Yeah. So many movies do. They have this two-dimensional bad guy mm. that, you know, you look at their, you know, reasoning and it's kind of just like, oh, okay, like, that's that's to set this up later and... You know, where whereas the bad guy in this pretty well, I, at one point, compares himself to the protagonist. And it's not in a, you know, opposing sides. You know, the whole, um, we're similar, but we're the opposites. And that's how the relationship between the antagonist and protagonist goes. No, he's just like, I'm, I've been waiting for this my whole life too. And mm-hmm. I think he meant it in almost in an optimistic way as well. But he's yeah. a part of this system. He's... Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's just a difference in philosophy that's addressed in a very brilliant and well, it's subtle age way. Too. It's, it's the, I don't want to say the loss of innocence, but you know, mm. theoretically this guy could have been Elliot. Yeah. And, and you feel like he probably was when mm. he was a kid. Cause he says, I've been dreaming of this since I was a kid, mm. but now he's an, he's an adult and Elliot says he needs to go home. And mm. the guy hesitates for a second because he's like, what can I do? He's like, he needs to go home. And you can tell he's thinking like, okay, accept that. Yeah. And yeah. then he says, you have to realize what a miracle this is. And it's like, he's claiming ownership of E.T. Where Elliot recognizes him as his own separate being. Totally. Um, yeah. And I guess that's the lesson that that guy then learns at the end because you see him then just like casually watching as et escapes Mm. and recognizes that he was wrong and Mm. that the little kids are right Mm. and uh yeah you could get really on the nose with that shit i was waiting for them to say like wait a minute he has healing abilities we can use this we can cut him open and and market it and we're going to be richer but they don't go unless a filmmaker would do that yeah Mm. yeah um We've been, I think we've only been sucking the penis of this movie for the last like 20 minutes. Is there anything you didn't like about the movie or anything you think could have been better? Yeah. The one thing that I think could have improved was, um, uh, Elliot kind of figures out that he's an alien immediately. Mm. Um, and he says things like he's higher intelligence. 
I think if it was established at the beginning that Elliot's into extraterrestrials and shit, mm. like he has a an interest in that stuff. Like so even he, if he had like a the solar system on a poster on his, you know, like just little details like that. Yeah, or he was talking about aliens or something. Nothing too on the nose, but there's nothing to indicate that he's into space or no. whatever. So something like that, that he sees the alien. And is like, oh my god, it's an alien. Because he does mm. immediately be like, oh, it's a fucking alien. Mm. But yeah, I think if if he was reading like some book on aliens, that's where he gets the term higher intelligence from. Like he already knows this stuff. Mm. How old is he again? Eight? Ten? Yeah, I think he's ten. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be... I'm not the smartest, you know, person in the world, but I don't think I'd be talking about that at ten. Yeah, the yeah. Hi- when he says he's higher intelligence, I was a bit like, what? Yeah, In- interesting. Anything else? Um, nah. Nah. Other than that, it's just like, it's very neat. So you're not surprised that it's the most successful film of the 80s? No, makes sense. It's it Literally, it's, I think it was the highest grossing film until it was beaten by... You guessed it, Jurassic Park in 93, I mm. think. So he's yeah. held the record twice. I don't know. For me, like the, the score's good, but it's a bit much. Like there are points where like the I like the theme, you know, yeah. like the, the musical theme. It's really cool, you yeah. know, and it's iconic. But there were points where it was just getting shoved down my throat a little bit. Like, you know, when all the, the kids like turn up on their bikes and then he's like in his gown and his heart's bred and they're looking at him and it just, just keep the music just keeps going. Hmm. And I know it's effective and people are going, Oh my God, he's alive. All this, you know, sentimental stuff. But I'm just, it just, for me, that got a bit, a bit much at times. Yeah. Know? Yeah. They do. They do kind of layer it on a bit thick, very thick, very, everything's layered on thick. And for most of the, it's, it's forgivable. Like it's not, it's not, it didn't take me out, but I noticed it, you know. Um, other than that, oh, the, the first, you know, the iconic scene, you know, where he's riding past the moon. Mm-hmm. I thought there was like a bit more like reason for that to happen the first time, but it just happens. He's just riding his bike and then all of a sudden E.T. Well, they're going off a, um, like a dip. They're going off this like little cliff. Yeah, but it wasn't, he wasn't, gonna, they weren't going to die. They weren't, they weren't, he wasn't going, they weren't going to die, were they? Is that what they were insinuating well, there? He, no, no, no. He, he was, E.T. takes over the bike and starts going really fast. And Elliot's like, whoa. And then they're heading for this cliff. And he's like, E.T. And then they take a little dip off and then start flying. And he's like, whoa. But then he goes really high and they fly past the moon. And it's like, you did not have to go that high. But, you know. I don't know. It's. For me, I, I, I would have found, like, maybe establish that he can, like, he might do this thing. And then when they are about to get shot, have them finally fly. I fe- I would have found that more effective than having the iconic scene of Elliot and E.T. doing it pretty well for almost no reason. Just because they need that iconic shot. And then do it again later. I don't know. I, well, I, I think that was them. That was the establishment of it. The first time he does it with just Elliot. And then the second time he does it with the kids. Because the first time 
Um, well, actually, yeah, the first time he doesn't really need to no, do it. No, there's that no reason. Just he's them. just riding the bike. They're just going to this place. He's not in danger. There's no point where they're in danger. Mm. You know, if they're getting chased by wolves or something, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I probably don't want <laughs> seeing where they're getting chased by wolves in the Look, movie. Do another re-release and add digital <laughs> wolves. But, but for me, that lacked... It seemed convenient and it seemed like it was just written in there to have that iconic shot. Well, I don't think that he thought it was... I don't think they were calling it iconic. At it the is time. iconic. It's his fucking it production is company is, is that. Yeah, but after... After E.T. came out, sure. it, it became an iconic shot. And then the logo for the thing, it wasn't beforehand. But you don't think when they're making it or when they're writing it that they're thinking, oh, this is the money shot. Oh, fuck yeah. So so they know yeah. that they're putting it in there for a reason. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It, it Again, I'm really... Do you think it would have been better if that didn't happen? And then just have him lift the kids... Without lifting Elliot beforehand. I think established that he can levitate do that. shit. Maybe if he was just levitating, because he's levitating shit in the house. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he can fucking make shit move. Mm. Right. And then don't have the thing where he like lifts Elliot with the bike, but just have him lifting all the kids. Mm. Because when he's riding up to the cops and they're like oh no what are they gonna do you're already thinking well you can just fly yeah that, no that's i it. saw that's that scene before where they flew that that's why i'm thinking it would just be more i think it would have been better if they kind of s- saved that for yeah. that moment that would have been a far more powerful moment in especially in the cinema if you hadn't seen it before mm. you know they're about to get captured you know you, you're always gonna have that little tingling in the back of your brain that they're not gonna get captured or shot they're gonna get sorry, fucking sh- shot shotgun yeah basically just blown <laughs> away you know um yeah that's not gonna happen but i don't know the the other scene seemed a bit contrived for me Mm. um yeah i think i'm actually inclined to agree with you there now that we're i think we're on the same page yeah so i'm like yeah it would have actually been better if you didn't know we could do that yeah or you didn't see that he already could lift the bike Mm. or plant the seeds for the and and, you know of course filmies or other people will know that that's what's going to happen but kids aren't mm. you know kids kids and people who aren't really paying attention i guess will just be like oh, oh that's so you know that's amazing i wouldn't have been like that i'd be like oh no it's gonna end with these fucking dead kids <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know all i could think was um they're not gonna make another movie like this currently they wouldn't if they made, if E.T. was made today, mm. it would be like a little annoying CGI character that makes pop culture references and the army would be the good guys. Deadpool E.T.? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I watched this with my lady friend and it was interesting that she said, she said, this isn't, this is unlike a lot of other sci-fi movies. And, 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 and I thought about it and I'm like, that's true. A lot of them, you know, aliens are these... malevolent sort of beings and they're a bit it's a bit darker in tone but i can't think of anything quite like et or at least on the level of et i don't think they'd have the balls to make et gross no apparently it was a horror movie did you hear this it was originally was going to be a horror film oh right yeah and then it transformed and it went through some drafts and it became et that's mad see now that wouldn't happen because 
they uh, don't even start writing the script until they're halfway through production. Sure. I feel like that's happened two weeks in a row for us. Fucking Annie Hall was a, a, like a thriller murder mystery. And then this was a horror movie. Yeah. E.T. was a horror movie. So bizarre. Because People e. don't know what they're making, do they? They just they just start making something and then something else just pops out. That's the way it goes. That's why a lot of uh, blockbusters suck now is because they uh, start making them as they're writing them. But the final draft never turns out the way you envision it just you have to discover what it is so then by the time the the that you've finished production they're still figuring out what the movie is so it comes out this jumbled mess see see i'd argue it's the um it's almost the in my opinion it's the opposite like i think that these movies are too pre-visualized i think that they're too safe i think that they they're too locked down when they're making them. Oh yeah. Cause they have a, um, like a predetermined structure mm. that they, it's like they put a little fucking stencil over the top of every movie mm. and that has to fit into that box. That's why some of them work and a lot of them don't. I, I, I don't know if you remember, but at one point, cause, uh, Dane and I went to film school together. At one point we were shown, um, pre-visualization for Iron Man three. Do you remember that? Uh, no. So basically, Everything in Iron Man three is pre visualized. So you know you look at the sh- you're seeing all these sto- animated storyboards, and then you look next to it and it's the film, and they'd already shot the film by the time it was shot, and it's bizarre. Like it's that I don't know. I think that leads to just a lot of visual cliches and just homogenized poop. You know. I know that by the time a director comes along, they've got half the film. fucking animated because they're like okay so here's gonna be our big set piece Mm. and then they tell the writers like okay you gotta have this in there because we've already got it made Mm. Mm. um so it's just them jamming all this pre-visualized shit Mm. in there even even just to keep on topic spielberg movies these days even feel a bit like that i think they have to i think they have to do it because um it would take too long to make them mm. otherwise because the more detailed the visual effects become the longer it takes to make them and mm. the more people it takes um yeah so movies suck now we've we've determined that movies are bad blockbusters suck mm. to a certain degree i mean maybe not i'm i'm pretty cynical but you know film snobs in the 70s were probably like <laughs> spielberg Mm. And now I think he's he's pretty dope. Mm. Um, do you know what isn't dope? Nineteen forty one. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. How? So. Uh, where do we begin? I don't even know where to start with this one. <laughs> this, this this film is weird. Yeah. I okay. I, I'm. I think. Do you? Do you, have you formed an opinion? Do you, can you start this? It's really weird. It's extremely bizarre. It's like, um, so it's, it's, it's Spielberg's comedy. It's Mm. his one and only comedy, right? Mm. I think some of his movies have funny moments, but I don't think any of them are like, they're not Animal House or a National Lampoon's movie. It's a bit like, yeah, because it's trying to be like that. Yeah. Or, or it's at least meant to be like that. Like, it's got uh, Joe Pesci. No, not Joe, Joe Pesci. Yeah. What's his name? Joe Pe- John Belushi. John Belushi. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. John, John Candy's Candy. in there. Uh, it's, it's trying to be an all-out 
comedy film. And I think the script was, was trying to be a bit more farcical. Again, I deliberately didn't look into it Mm. because I thought it'd be more interesting to just watch the film. Mm. I have a little bit of knowledge on it. I watched an interview with Spielberg once where he spoke about 1941 briefly, where he was like, yeah, I wanted to do comedy and, uh, and I went to the first screening, nobody laughed. And I thought, that's it. I'm never doing a comedy again. And, um, I just know the year it came out, which was 79 mm. before ET. He mm. did Jaws, mm-hmm. Close Encounters, and then this. Yeah. Um, it's clearly the script was meant to be like farcical, mm. like naked gun almost. Mm. And, it's all the all the actors um are treating it like a comedy but spielberg isn't mm. it's directed it's cut like a drama mm. it's not done it with comic timing it's mm. done with dramatic timing because i don't think spielberg has a very good sense of humor that's <laughs> just my guess he doesn't understand jokes it has moments in it where it's establishing a joke but then never follows through with it. It would be like watching um, The Naked Gun or something. And you you begin like a comedy by establishing a little bit of farce and then it becomes more and more farcical as it goes mm. on. Mm. Uh, he continuously pulls back and never... And always tries to make you believe that this is the real world, which he's really good at. Which is why his films are so effective, because you can believe that Jurassic Park is real. You can believe that E.T. is real. Mm. Uh, and then he does it. He uses it to a great extent in his uh, war dramas. We mm. feel like this shit is real. Mm. He's really good at creating that feeling. But when you're directing a comedy, that's the antithesis of what you want. Yeah. Because um, for that style of comedy, at least. Yeah. It's meant to be cartoonish. Yeah. But I just felt like this shit was really happening. Yeah, interesting. I see. I, I I I disagree. Like I think he was trying to. I thought it was incredibly out of this world. But just nothing was funny. No, like, the script was like the the everything that was happening was bizarre and out of this world. Mm. But he's treating it like it's real, mm. uh, and that's what that's why I think it wasn't funny. Mm. Because, um, like, he does this thing in his movies, which works great. Uh, you can see it in E.T., where there's, like, characters having little bits of banter that you can't make out around the main conversation. It works great in Jaws as well. You can mm. hear, like... Jaws is funny. And it creates um, a terrific sense of realism because you can hear, like, little bits of chit-chat in the background while you're listening to the dialogue. Mm. Uh, he does that in this as well, but it's very strange and it takes away from the, the gags. Mm. And they're just addressing these situations as if they're real. It's like everyone just doling out information and Spielberg doesn't know how to time a fucking joke. Mm. Uh, and I don't think anyone knew what the hell they were doing. Yeah, it's just so confusing. It, it, for me, I, was, I, I think it was made by aliens. Like Spielberg got swapped out for an alien because it's 
there are jokes and I know every single joke that he's trying to make in that film. I can, you could go through and go, that's a joke, that's a joke, that's a joke, that's a joke. Yeah. And there are a heap. There are a heap of, I, I, honestly, it was nonstop for me trying to make a joke. Yeah. But nothing was funny. I, I laughed, I laughed once in that film. And that's when John Belushi shot the radio and said, the radio's wrong. Like, that's the only time I laughed in that movie. Like, even him, who in, like, everything I've seen, you know, Animal House, Blues Brothers, and the sketches on Saturday Night Live, he's funny. Mm. He's a really funny guy. Yeah. And he's not funny in that movie. He's weird. Mm. And I don't know. It just, I just don't, is it the timing? I don't know what it is. But but there's slapstick and there's these things that are ridiculous and things that should be funny. Yeah. Things that would be funny in another movie. I suspect that if I, read the script i would think it's very funny well it's written by it's written by bob gale and robert zemeckis who are the dudes that did back to the future yeah and that's fun like back to the future is fantastic mm. like you know that the, everything lands in that movie so i don't it, it has to have come down to the direction it, is it was it was it confidence does he not confident enough he's not funny enough well <laughs> it's not funny enough I don't know, but but even then, like if he's, he's like, not you funny know, enough, you know, guys who um can't retell jokes. Yeah, when something's funny, there's like um I don't know. I've had plenty of times where um you know uh you you'll be in a situation with someone and then you're having a little back and forth and then you say something that makes them laugh. Another person's like, "What was that?" And they're like, "Oh." So we were talking about this and then he said this and then they retell, they retell it in a way. There's no timing. That the person just stares blank face and then I'm standing there looking like an unfunny dickhead and it's like, well, he, he told it wrong. It was <laughs> funny when I said it. And this reminded me of that. It's like a guy who doesn't understand comic timing um, trying to tell a joke. But he has everything at his disposal though. All the jokes are there. It's his most expensive movie up until, you know, the modern age (laughs) where, um, you know, where he's got everything CGI. At the time, all of his movies were 10 mil and under. Yeah. And you can tell it's expensive. And that movie's a $40 million movie. Yeah. You know, Um, he had everything in his, like everything, like I was cringing at John Candy lines, you know, like, oh, you were a father to me and all this stuff. And he's funny. Mm. Like what perplexes me is that these these people um, couldn't somehow like the, but the, 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 this is what this is what's weird. There are static shots. There are static shots where people are talking and they're making jokes. It's not it's not the editing that's ruining it. Yeah. It's it's just not funny. Like I don't know I I don't know how else to describe it. It's yeah. It's you know you know how you get. You, with with timing, like uh, Dane and I made a movie uh, last this time last year, and there was a point where the the editing and the cutting made the the jokes not very funny. Hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was like there was no the the, the everything that was meant to be funny just wasn't allowed to breathe, and yeah, it sucked. Um, so I just don't know, but that, that I feel like that shouldn't that it says more about everything if it's a static shot and there's nothing funny. There's no breathing room mm. oh because by the time you think you could laugh there's another joke mm. another even probably less funny joke yeah and um you also have no straight man which no. is everyone 
everyone just acts like an incompetent goofball, yeah. but they're not even enough to be silly. Like yeah. everyone is too stupid to be the straight man. And, um, and, and also then no one goes far enough except for one character who is my favorite character in the film. Who's this? It, it sums up Spielberg's sense of humor perfectly. It's just, um, I don't know what his name was. I'm just calling him the retarded guy who is on the Ferris wheel. Oh, the, the guy with the mannequin. Yeah. He was funny. Yeah. Cause he's just Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. <laughs> he's just dumb guy. Yeah. And I was laughing at him just because it's like, yeah, that's like the comedy of this movie is like, you have one guy who would be the comic relief just thrown way out of proportion. Yeah, but, he's but so his character's dumb. barely in it. It's it's weird. They they there are so many. St- I, honestly, you uh, Dane watched the extended cut of this, which is an yeah. extra half an hour. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't know how you did this at all, but <laughs> but I feel like that. I don't know if they did cut to him more, but in the version I watched, they they established his character, and then you don't see him for half an hour. No, he's he's in it. Like they establish him. Like he comes along. And so some guy has to get some other guy to, and this isn't me not paying attention properly. No character is established very well. There's several people in this who I thought was the same character for like halfway through the film. Mm. Cause they're all just like medium built men with dark hair and then like I don't remember the face of the guy that was having sex in the plane or the guy that was wanting to do the jitterbug contest. They could have been the same person. Yeah, I thought they were the same guy. Yeah. For like <laughs> half an hour. And um and and that that's their characters as well. One of them wants to uh fuck some woman in a plane and this woman only will fuck in planes. I think that's meant to be funny. Mm. And then this other guy who looks exactly the same as him, uh, his whole character is, I want to do the jitterbug with the girl I'm in love with. And I don't know if that's meant to be funny or that's, I don't know. I thought it was funny when he's like, I don't want to join the army. I want to dance. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess that's meant to be funny. Um, but yeah, so then there's some other dude who gets... One guy who's scared of heights to go up in a Ferris wheel and stay there to watch out for Japanese submarines. No, I think it was planes, looking for Japanese planes. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. And then for some reason, he gets this other guy to sit up there with him. And this dude is just basically Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Um, he even has like a floppy hat with like floppy ears on it. I'm convinced. Did you, did you ever see the Polar Express? No. Oh, okay. You dodged a bullet there. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, so this guy is just like, where, where are we going? Wah. And then he just deliberately <laughs> fucks. He's trying to climb on the Ferris wheel and he's like, look at me. And I'm not exaggerating as well. That's my best impression of him. And I think it's pretty accurate. He's like, I'm surprised he wasn't slobbering and shitting his pants. Mm. Um, and then they, he just puts <laughs> him up with in, in the Ferris wheel. 
and he's stuck up there with this guy who's like, Mom, we're going to look out for the Japs. Mom. And then, <laughs> and then he's, the guy's like, hey, shut up. And, uh, and then he pulls out a ventriloquist dummy that looks like him. And then the <laughs> dummy starts going, rah, 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 rah. And then the scene just cuts to another one and we don't see them again for like an hour and a half. It's Oh, far out. And the, probably in the, yeah, it's weird. In the extended edition, it probably would have been longer. That's, yeah. It's just stupid. Um, I, I, where you didn't read about this at all. I did a bit of reading after I watched it cause I was just fascinated. I had to know yeah. why. Yeah. And I, I stumbled on my special features um, I found an interview with Spielberg where he, where he talked about how much he really likes the movie. And he compared it to... He said that this is this is pretty close to verbatim. This movie would would work more now for people who are playing Doom 2. You know, that kind of video game generation. And he's saying it with this big cheese-eating grin on his face. And he's wrong. Like, I don't think people... Like, it's, it's not... It's not um, and it's not interesting enough or like big enough to to be, you know, like one of those kind of movies. I, I think he's completely deluded. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I don't know either. Well, like a Marvel movies again. Because uh, Spielberg doesn't like video games and he thinks people who play video games are stupid and this movie's stupid. Oh maybe. I feel like I feel like that's probably the most logical thing, but I don't think that's what he's saying. I think what he's saying is it's like red cordial. Right. And people who play video games, you know, have that kind of attention span and, you know, um, you know, very action based. I don't know. Yeah. But, Cause it, the, mm. the film moves really fast. Mm. Mm. Uh, scenes are very short. Um, and then we're always just cutting to like, it yeah, but it was so long. It takes like an hour to just establish I'm, every character I'm, in the movie. I'm None of them are now, developed by the way. I'm going to admit now I watched it over two sittings. Oh, yeah. I got an hour in yeah. and I'm like, oh, this is wrapping up soon. And I, and I looked at the time and there was an hour to go and I'm like, no, I've got to go to bed. I can't like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I was exhausted from it and I had to pick it up later. Yeah. Did you find out what, like, oh yeah, of course you did. You watched a two and a half hour version. I did. I, I did a whole, I did a full sitting. Jesus uh, Christ. Two and a half hours. And, um, you can tell from the first scene, which I want to talk about that for a second. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, basically him parodying Jaws. Yep. Which I did find interesting that there's a director who parodies his own film. Mm. And um, he's got the same composer, so he can do the same score and everything. Yeah. Um, but then instead of her getting attacked by a shark, uh, a submarine rises out of the water and then she gets stuck on this pole on the submarine mm. and is uh stuck on the top and then the japanese come out and um and count dooku yeah and they like i didn't i didn't even fucking read the subtitles because they're talking amongst themselves and there's subtitles yep and it it's like an essay what the, i'm like i'm i can't fucking sit here and read this and they're just talking absolute shit they're going over their plan to go to la or something to destroy hollywood yeah and it's like if it's a farcical comedy just have them speak english in very thick japanese accents totally because a lot of the other moment uh, other bits of the film have that kind of 
attitude towards Japan mm. and that kind of satirical sort of mentality towards it. So yeah, why are they why are there subtitles? Why are they putting effort into this aspect of it? Yeah, again, that's like Spielberg. I think that would have been his decision. Yeah, but then the Russian, or sorry, not the Russian, the German guy is just speaking English. Yeah. So There's like, one part where he's speaking German, I think. He's speaking German and the Japanese guy is speaking Japanese. And they both have subtitles, but they can understand each other. Makes no sense. And I was like, I think that's a joke. And that's funny, but it isn't fucking working because the pacing is just so quick. I think, like, again, this is just, it all comes down to Spielberg isn't funny. He doesn't understand comedy. So I think he just thinks comedies are fast paced. So everything's just fast paced characters speak fast there's no gaps in dialogue there's no breathing room it's just go bang 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 so there's there's no there's no space left there there's no breathing room um to like because you know you have to pause before a punchline mm. there's no pause ever mm. it just happens continuously and um you just can't keep up with it. Like the scene at the dude's house, which should be really funny when they crash a gun through the front door, but it just suddenly happens because there's no break just before that moment to startle Because you. another joke was ending. And yeah. then b before that joke ended, there was another one that like, another yeah. joke here. Blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole movie throughout. As a punchline is ending... At the same time, the setup for the next joke is happening. See, that can work. Like, The Simpsons mm. do a very similar thing. Like, there's they, they stack jokes, mm. but but they're connected. Mm. Like, I, I was watching... Uh, I watched a little video, and it's the, the bit where Bart... Like, bike gets destroyed, and then a street sweeper runs over it mm. and then it, and then it's new have you do you remember this bit in the simpsons and mm. he's like oh man that's great and then he sits on it and it falls apart and then it cuts to the guy the street sweeper who's laughing evilly mm. that's like four jokes yeah but that works but they're sequential yeah they're not happening at the same time like uh bart's bike isn't falling apart as the street sweeper is falling down the no. stairs <laughs> and that's this movie all the jokes are happening at once. And they're not not—they're not the same kind of joke. They're not part of each other. No, and they're not layered. They're just crammed into each other. Um, I, and, and flatlined as well. I, Again, a bit more research. Uh, would, you, would you believe me if I told you that a lot of the things that happened in this film are inspired by true stories? Yeah. Did you, did you know that? Yeah. Oh, we, I read a little bit about it. I scanned the Wikipedia page. Apparently... Um, there was a Japanese uh, sub that was on the coast of America and apparently the gentleman that was the, the guy that drove the submarine had previously been humiliated by falling on a cactus at a business meeting in California mm. and he lost face. I think it's a big thing in Japan. It's like face and yeah. honor. So he drives this submarine and instead of shooting strategically important places, he shoots the spot where he fell and fell on the cactus. <laughs> Isn't that just weird? And then, yeah, then there was about, I think a week later, there was this air raid that 
no one knows why that hmm. they had a blackout for six hours and lots of guns were fired. Apparently someone saw something. And these are pretty funny things. And I, I can see why they tried to, what they wanted to make a movie out of this, right? Yeah. But they just, I think they just got too bogged down in trying to be funny, but not, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's this movie was made by aliens. I just think it was made by Spielberg, who isn't funny. Yeah, and he likes aliens, though. So maybe maybe he is an alien. <laughs> yeah. he, isn't he in Men in Black or Men in Black 2? Probably. I feel like there's an alien joke with him in some movie somewhere. You know what the thing is? Is that if you describe the jokes in the movie, they should be funny. Mm. Um, again, like Stardust Memories with the pigeon scene... <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, it sounds funny, but it, it, it's, it's not it's executed. Not. Um, the, the, the dad who's like this all-American dad with his white picket fence and house and American values and shit. Um, that's really, that shit should be really funny that they're like, well, sir, we wanted to put this air gun in your backyard. And he's like, you know, it would be an honor. I'll do anything. And then um, he ends up destroying his own house with with the gun just to shoot the, at the submarine. But he he doesn't get it. Or like, um, you know, his, his wife is like, it's going to ruin our house. We don't want that on there. He's like, well, we have to do anything for our country. Mm. His daughter, who's going to the... Um, the, the dance with all the army guys mm. when he sits it down he's like so look a lot of these boys they're very lonely uh haven't seen a woman in a long time so um and you think he's gonna be like you know just watch out be careful um he's like you gotta do whatever you can to help these boys out so you know implying like if Have they want to fuck you then you know you're gonna get fucked but it's your duty to and there's there's humor. I don't even remember that man. There's humor in in that and he's lying at the end of the film where it's like they're all trying to hit this Japanese submarine and just can't get it and he destroys his whole house uh in the in the process and the whole thing is such a huge farce. And then he says to the army guy at the end he's like um something like Last night we saw a threat and we handled it um, in the most American way possible. And by it, fucking shit up? Yeah, by just being a bunch of farcical assholes. And that's meant to be like, that should be really funny. I laughed when he said that. Not, not at, with the film, but as like, oh man, that should be a hilarious line. Mm. But you just did not know what you're doing here. Mm. So it's not surprising he hasn't done another comedy. No, it's... Uh, in, in an interview, he said, why... Do you know why he made the movie? No. What do you... Because he had wasn't making anything else at the time. <laughs> okay. And I think that speaks leaps and bounds about the movie. Like, it's a... Oh, I'm not really doing anything else at the moment. Oh. Um, you know, let's make this film. Anyway, I think we should wrap this up now. Yeah. Um... Would you would you would you rewatch either of them again? No, probably not. Not even no. ET. Not yeah. I, I I've I've seen it. I've got it. You know. Maybe I'll watch ET again in like ten years. Mm. 
um, once I forget most of it, it's not exactly hugely rewatchable. Mm. Mm. Um, and I will never watch 1941 again. You couldn't pay me to. That movie sucks. Mm. It's so bad. I wanted to like it. I wanted to be like, oh, this is this un, this little hidden gem. Yeah, you know? both times now I've really, really wanted to come back and be like, actually, it's sick. This also has cult status, this movie. Mm. I so knew I, it would. I think I think maybe, um, uh, you know, some tastes do change. Some things that weren't successful in the past are now and yeah we've just recently with the last two that we've gotten i'd argue that the critical commercial and um overall math yeah has been correct would you agree yeah definitely mm. et rocks and 1941 sucks um i just like to um i've been thinking about what we should do next week uh do you want to do you want to hear what i think we should do mm-hmm. um i would like us to cover the first 10 years of happy Madison productions. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I think that's from Billy Madison till Mr. Deeds. Yeah. Mr. Deeds. I think it's, I think it's kind of that period. So we'll, and, and I mean all of the movies, so not just Adam Sandler movies. I'm talking Rob Schneider movies. I'm talking. Oh, okay. Happy Madison productions. I'm talking the ones that they have specifically produced. Oh shit. Yeah. All right. So yeah, we'll do them. I'll do the math on that one. I'll do all my really hard work. It's a lot of work, you know, spreadsheets and numbers, man, you know? Yeah. I wish I didn't have to do it, but you know, for the art, I will. White collar. White collar. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard life. I don't know how people are doing it, sitting in these offices and <laughs> using Excel. Uh, anyway, I've been Joseph. This is the movie Butts podcast. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye.